1971, the Rolling Stones had been around for about 10 years, and they generated a conservative fortune of 100 million pounds. And in spite of that, the band members themselves were desperately in need of some cash. I guess they hadn't looked at their contracts very well when they first signed up, and uh, they weren't really getting the, the money and royalties that uh, they expected to get. And uh, so they were in the middle of changing out their management, starting their own record label. They had just completed recording their seminal album, Sticky Fingers. And so they were in the middle of a, a lot of change, right? So they're getting ready to release Sticky Fingers. They figure they're going to go on a big U.S. tour in 1972. And then they find out that not only had they been screwed out of a bunch of royalty payments and, uh, uh, you know, income, but that their management and the record executives hadn't made sure that the band themselves had been paying their taxes properly. So despite being told, yeah, 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 your taxes are taken care of, they actually hadn't been paying taxes for about seven years. So the UK government was coming down on them. They're saying, okay, you got to owe us some back taxes. And oh, by the way, you need to start paying taxes going forward. So they didn't have the money to pay for this, right? And um, if they had stayed in the UK, they would have had to pay 93% income tax going forward. You know, they were musicians and major celebrities, right? And uh, none of them liked the appeal of, of paying 93%, you know, in income tax. So they got connected with a guy that became their financial manager. And um, he advised them to essentially flee the country and become tax exiles. So that's exactly what they did. They played a short farewell tour in England. And in April 1971s, the Rolling Stones went into tax exile in southern France. So while they're there, they figure, okay, we got to, uh, you know, come up with an album and um, have a tour. What do we have laying around? So they had some tracks that they hadn't really used in Sticky Fingers. They had some older material. They figured they could fluff it up with some new material. And um, they were looking for a recording studio in southern France. They couldn't really find anything that fit the bill for them. And Keith Richards was renting a villa at the time in southern France called Nel Colette. And this was a 16-room mansion commissioned in 1854. And the legend behind this place was that it had been a Gestapo headquarters during the Nazi occupation in France. Because in the basement, the heating vents looked like swastikas. There's nothing that has proven this to be true. It, all facts lead to that it was not a Gestapo headquarters and that the swastika was just a design pattern that was popular at the time, much like a chevron would be today. So anyways, Keith says, hey, we can, you can bring the mobile recording studio that we used on Sticky Fingers and bring it down to my basement and we can just record here. So that's what they did. Mick Taylor, who had been the Stones' lead guitarist for the five years between 1969 and 1974, had this to say about the place. Quote, It's got a raw sound quality, and the reason for that is the basement was very dingy and very damp. The roof leaked and there were power failures. We had to deal with all that and go with the flow. End quote. So Richards at the time was very much down a, a dark path of heroin abuse. And um, so he liked to be around other drug users, right? So there were a large entourage of people coming and going. 
uh, and most of them not associated with the band at all. So recording sessions were very loose, unorganized, and intermittent. In addition to that, Mick Jagger wasn't available to be around a whole lot because he was busy getting married and having a child. When he did stop by, he reportedly didn't like how work on this new album was going because it was basically Keith Richards' show. So Mick Jagger would come, show up, he would wait at the bottom of the stairs uh, for Keith to emerge from the upstairs bedroom so they could be, begin a songwriting session and then leave disappointed when he didn't show up. And Mick said this to say about the recording of the album. Quote, It was frustrating, and it took quite a long period of time. A lot of the tracks were not made in the south of France. There were tracks that we made or hadn't finished or hadn't released in the previous album, Sticky Fingers, before we moved to France. It was recorded under a lot of difficult circumstances and in what was not a very good recording place. It was a bit uphill. In retrospect, when I was forced to look at it when we were going to re-release the album, I saw that the time we spent in the studio wasn't really that long. It was only six or seven months, end quote. So during this time in southern France, with all these people coming in the house, there ended up becoming a division in the band between the heavy drug users like Keith Richards and guitarist Mick Taylor and the non-drug users like Mick Jagger, drummer Charlie Watts, and bassist Phil Wyman. So this all kind of ended in France and culminated in a burglary where several guitars were stolen, followed by a drugs bust in late 1971. And at that point... Mick Jagger took the reins of the album, which was now called Exile on Main Street. So Jagger took the recordings over to Los Angeles and continued to work on the album there. So this is where all the overdub work was done, where they record on top of existing tracks, laying it in. All the lead and backing vocals was done in L.A. All the guitar and bass overdubs were done in L.A. Some tracks were recorded completely fresh. Jagger recruited some local keyboardists like Billy Preston and Dr. John, as well as the best Los Angeles session backup vocalists he could find. During a day off, Jagger and Preston visited a local evangelical church, and they were inspired to add some gospel arrangements to a few of their songs, including one of them called Let It Loose. Let It Loose is my favorite track off the album. I absolutely love it. It is a complete mess. It's, there's no, feels like no rhyme or reason to the song. There's not a traditional chorus to it, an arrangement. It's very difficult to find a pattern, and yet I love it. There's a lot of great musicianship on it. It's very loose and disorganized, and yet there's a lot of power in it. Uh, I really love how Mick Jagger really adds his bravado and charisma into it. It has 13 people on the recording. This includes drums, bass, electric guitarists, lead vocals, backup vocals, piano, saxophone, trumpet, and the Mellotron, which is like an electronic mechanical keyboard. So what do they have to say about it? Well, backup singer Tamia Lin said, quote, What he wanted, talking about Mick, was this funk feeling, this real honest church feel. He had an appreciation for black music, and he said it openly. So that was out of the way. We knew he had this affinity for the blues and where it came from. Mick came out of a respect for black experience or black music. The greatness comes out of the spirit, end quote. And Mick Jagger had this to say about it when someone asked him about the first line of the song, 
which is, who's that woman on your arm all dressed up to do you harm? He says, quote, I think Keith wrote that, actually. That's a very weird, difficult song. I had a whole other set of lyrics to it, but they got lost by the wayside. I don't think that song has any semblance of meaning. It's one of those rambling songs. I didn't really understand what it was about after the event. End quote. So as for their tax issues, the band set up a holding company in the Netherlands because it does not directly tax royalty payments. The band themselves have been tax exiles ever since, meaning they can't use Britain as their main residence. And due to the arrangements with their holding company, the band reportedly paid a tax of just 1.6% on their total earnings of $242 million over a period of 20 years, according to financial reports that went public in 2006. So if you listen to Let It Loose by itself, I think you'll find a lot more value in it than if you just try to listen to the entire album. The entire album for Exile on Main Street, released in May of 1972, was their 10th studio album. It's a double album. And it kind of flows from one track to the next. They're not real independent pieces, and it would be very easy to miss hearing Let It Loose uh, if you had tried to listen to it as an album. So I'd encourage you to listen to a little bit of it, and if you like it, check out that individual track. It's one of those ones where I just couldn't stop listening to on loop, on repeat, forever and ever. Uh, I fell in love with it. So it's a bit of an obscure track. I hope you enjoyed the story, at least. And if not... I hope you enjoyed the music. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 